Have you ever been rejected from something you wanted really badly? Maybe a job, a relationship, or an opportunity? Do you dread the thought of rejection so much that you even avoid taking risks? How do you deal with rejection and avoid taking it like a personal attack and end up feeling bitter or resentful? Have you ever rejected someone and felt guilty afterwards? What can rejection teach us about ourselves and our goals? And is it possible to turn rejection into an opportunity for growth and self-discovery? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer this and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened. Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and non-judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Try Show. Raise your hand if at least once in your life you have been rejected and felt like crawling into a hole to lick your wounds and never coming out. Let me guess, you have. Well, the good news is you are not alone. In fact, we have all been there. Rejection is part of life, but being so common doesn't make it any less impactful on our life unless we understand the psychology of rejection and find strategies to cope with it. So today we want to learn about dealing with rejections without becoming a rejection junkie, explore the art of bouncing back, and also understand the benefits of learning from a rejection and how it can be turned into an opportunity for growth and self-improvement. And we dive into this fascinating topic with our guest, Dr. Gary Lawrence, aka Dr. G. Dr. G and his wife of 50 years, Sylvia, have spent their lives successfully leading others to identify, isolate, and eliminate the course of emotional turmoil in their lives. Over the course of 23 years, serving as the founder and director of the New Life Dynamics Christian Counseling Center, and 20 years as the host of his own radio show, Life Mastery Counseling with Dr. G, he has personally met with and coached more than 6,000 clients, has overseen the counseling of another 10,000 clients, and has inspired thousands more on radio, television, and stage. He is also the author of an Amazon best-selling book, Rejection Junkies, Overcoming the Addiction Everyone Suffers, where he recognizes the damaging effects of rejection and the way in which this trauma manifests constantly throughout all phases of life and help us recognize the people, places, things, 
and circumstances that hold us hostage, keep us stuck, and make us bitter. After retiring, Dr. G has taken the opportunity to refocus on this uh, uh, book and in particular on the timeless principles in it. Hi, Dr. G. Welcome to the Forgiven Trade Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, my goodness, Rosanna. It's my honor and joy to be here with you today. Fantastic. I'm really, really excited to talk about rejection because it's part of life, isn't it? We oh. all suffer from it. But before we start about talking about rejection, I would like to start with you. And uh, in particular, you had a very full life and uh, you and uh, your wife, Sylvia, has spent many, many years uh, working with other people and uh, you have witnessed rejection firsthand. So how everything started and when did you realize that rejection was uh, an important topic to dive into? Well, that's a great question, Rosanna. Uh, my wife, Sylvia, and I, we now have been married 56 years. And uh, I tell everybody jokingly, the good news is our trial period is over. So we think we're going to stay together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I, we met in college. I was 22 years old and she was 20 when we got married. I'll never forget. Uh, I went to a college campus party. Uh, my second year in school and i saw this beautiful brown-eyed brunette olive-skinned beautiful young lady and i said to my roommate bob you see that girl over there he said yeah what about her and i said i'm going to ask her out for a date and then i said i'll probably end up marrying her and rosanna four months later we got married and uh, little did i know the emotional setup that we were about to experience sylvia was raised in a very religious strict baptist home they went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And uh, so it was a very uh, confining home environment religiously. But uh, when she was uh, from age of seven to 12, her father was sexually abusing her and her mother was a very violent, hostile person. She horribly physically abused my wife. And Sylvia, she escaped her rejection by hiding from her parents. She would literally hide in the basement under the stairs. And uh, so uh, and then I was the fourth of four children in my family. And my father believed my mother got pregnant by another man. And so I was always the castaway child. And uh, so there was no bonding between my father and I. So Sylvia handled her rejection by becoming the escaper. I handled my rejection by becoming the survivor. I will fight back. And little did we know, when we got married, we actually became victims of the setup of what I call the rejection syndrome. Now, this happens to everybody on all different levels of life. She needed someone to dominate her, and I needed someone to dominate. We were like two misshapen pieces of puzzle coming together to complete this uh, plan called I'll reject you before you reject me. So uh, uh, we had been married about 12 years, and I was pastoring a church in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. The church was growing, it was thriving, but my marriage was crumbling. She had decided to leave me. And so I thought, you know what? I didn't get married to get divorced. So what was I going to do? Get divorced and then marry another woman that had the same issues or 
similar issues. And I decided then that I was going to learn how to love my wife like Christ loved the church. I'm going to learn how to understand her emotionally. I'm going to find out what the problem is. And so I began to study in the Word of God, and in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, I found what I believe is the root cause for all levels of rejection. In Hebrews 12, 15, the scriptures say, search diligently, diligently, lest any man misses out on the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, bitterness is a misunderstood word. It's an ugly word. Uh, I've had a lot of people say, well, I'm not bitter. Uh, but they have to understand that anger is a response. Bitterness is an inward resentment. Uh, bitterness is a sense of loss. Bitterness is a sense of betrayal. Bitterness is a fear of rejection. Bitterness is anxiety. Uh, bitterness is depression. Uh, bitterness is a, uh, a sense of betrayal. And so bitterness is caused by a lot of things, but here's what it does. It troubles you and defiles many. And so I love your title, Forgive and Thrive. And here's why. Most people don't even understand what the true definition of forgive is. Uh, you've heard that old shallow saying, forgive and forget. Uh, that, is, that is such a blatant lie, Rosanna. Uh, you know, uh, you may learn sometime in your life how to forgive, but you'll never forget. It's impossible to forget the betrayals that you've experienced in life unless you learn how to genuinely forgive. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. And in fact, I, I think, it, to be honest, it's not even fair to ask for forgetting uh, some, some sort of betrayal. Right. Uh, because I, I think in, in any situation, there is a lesson to be learned. And the moment you forget about the situation, you also forget about the lesson, which means it's a disservice to you because sooner or later you will need to learn that lesson again. But also right. in, in that lesson, there is, a, for example, a boundary that right. perhaps has been um, uh, stepped over. So, you know, that boundary is important. It's important for you and it's important for others to realize that it's there. So I, I totally agree. Forget uh, is not part of forgiveness and um, right. it shouldn't well, be put together. Right. The subtitle of my book, Rejection Junkies, is Overcoming the addiction everyone suffers. Every human being on planet Earth creates negative emotional patterns in the early years of their childhood. By the time we're eight years old, 80% of our emotional patterns are formed. By the age 18, 100% of our self-image is formed. So when you look at the average 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, they may have some gray hair, they may have wrinkles, uh, they may have more education, they may have more money, but I'll guarantee you, they are the victim of negative emotional patterns that were instilled into them in the early years of their childhood. And here's an example. Uh, one time I counseled an 80-year-old retired me medical doctor, and he and his wife had been married for uh, about 56, 57 years, about the same time still we not been married. And when I said this to him, 
Doc, by the time you're eight years old, 80% of your emotional patterns are formed. By the time you're 18, 100% of your self-image is formed. And he said, well, Dr. G, what you're telling me is I'm an 80-year-old, 8-year-old. And his wife leaned over and patted him on the leg and said, see, sweetheart, I told you, you act like a little boy. <laughs> and, so, and that's true of everybody, okay? Uh, so, uh, for an example, Sylvia learned to escape. She became what we call the inverter. I learned to survive. I became what I call the reverter. Everybody comes out of their childhood as an adult, as an inverter or a reverter. Now, here's what happened. When people come together, they say, well, I fell in love with him or I fell in love with her. No, they didn't fall in love. They fell in lust. Okay. You show me someone that says I, I, I fell in love. I'll show you someone that will fall out of love. Okay. I say it like this, Rosanna. Opposites attract. Then they attack. And then they retract. It's just a matter of time. Everybody, when they go on their honeymoon, they carry a lot of emotional excess baggage into that honeymoon suite with them. You've heard that old saying, I don't know what I don't know. Well, I didn't understand the difference between genuine guilt and, and false guilt. False guilt is an anxiety created from a fear of being rejected for a lack of performance. Oh, I'm not performing for that person. I'm not what that person expects. And so they're on this performance trip to gain acceptance. But genuine guilt is a grieving created by the Holy Spirit over a situation. I had, uh, after 12 years of marriage, I had developed a genuine guilt. I was grieving over the fact that I could not understand our emotional quagmire that Sylvia and I were living in at that time. And as a result of that genuine guilt, I began to recognize and identify false guilt. See, most people, uh, uh, Hosanna, uh, Rosanna, most people gain their acceptance based on what they do, not who they are. They gain their value in life performing for other people to gain the acceptance of other people. And they're always tap dancing on the tabletop of other people's lives to gain acceptance. Most people develop a poor self-image because they believe what other people say about them. And you're never going to be free to enjoy the present until you learn how to get free from that cord of bitterness to the past. The past always plays a part in the present. Always, always has a very important key part of the present. And if you're so busy uh, being imprisoned in the present because of your past, you're never going to enjoy the future. It's never going to happen. Does that make sense? It, it does. And uh, I love what you're saying because it, sometimes it's very difficult to appreciate how much the past is uh, affecting our lives. And uh, we, we behave in a certain way. We take decision in a certain way. And we say, well, you know, it's a decision that I've taken this precise moment. Yes. But no, the past is, uh, is affecting us in that decision. So uh, I absolutely love uh, what you, you have just uh, said. So thank you very much for stressing that. Well, and I'm very open. Sylvia and I are free mentally and emotionally and spiritually. We do not live in the confines of the past. Uh, we were married for three months, and we were in our one-bedroom apartment on our college campus 
and I had a speaking engagement on a Sunday night, and I was supposed to come home on Monday, but I decided to come home Sunday night so I could be with my young wife. I uh, came home, I got me something to eat, I took a shower, and I got in bed and snuggled my wife, and all of a sudden she woke up, jumped out of bed and slammed herself against the wall, and for the next four hours, she literally sat there with her knees up to her chest, with her arms around her knees saying, you can't touch me like that. Don't do that to me. Please don't let my daddy know what you've done to me. He told me to never let another man touch me the way he did. That was my introduction to her sexual abuse. And boy, for the next, uh, we'd only been married three months. For the next 10 to 12 years, I was extremely bitter towards that man. I can honestly say I actually hated that man because of what he did to my wife. And that really impacted our marriage. We were just kids, Rosanna, but our marriage was crippled emotionally and mentally. She would withdraw and I would get angry. I would get angry, she would withdraw. So her withdrawal fed my rejection patterns of anger and my anger fed her re uh, rejection patterns of withdrawing. Uh, it seemed like the only game we knew you to play was, I'll reject you before you reject me. And so what happens, we, we uh, journey on into our adult life, our 30s and our 40s. We get an education. We start building a business. We create income. Uh, then we get older. We get wrinkles, gray hair. And you can see I have a lot of that. But anyway, uh, just because they get smarter or they create more wealth, doesn't mean they're not a rejection junkie. The patterns are still there. Is it possible to get addicted to rejection? Oh my, absolutely. You know, addiction is when you create a total dependency upon a substance or a thing. Uh, maybe it's alcohol, it might be uh, cocaine, it might be heroin, or it might be some other substance. But here again, for an example, uh, my, in my youth, my household was one of violence, uh, uh, physical violence, emotional violence, uh, loud cursing, yelling, screaming. My parents were alcoholic. So I, the only way I could survive was I learned how to fight back. We all become uh, the victim of the first eight years of our life. And we don't even realize it. We come out of that addicted to these behavior patterns and you go into your marriage relationships or you go into your single adult life with the same fears, the same insecurities, the same need to be accepted as you were as a child. And so uh, you're just a child trapped in an adult body. So how do you recognize that you are becoming addicted to that pattern? And how can you break the cycle? That is a powerful question. And we're not going to be able to answer that in this interview, okay? <laughs> but uh, here again, uh, I promised Sylvia, I said, if you don't leave me, uh, I promise you, I will find out what's going on. And that's when I began to learn the truth about what the root of bitterness was done. See, Sylvia being sexually abused was not our problem. My pattern of anger was not our problem. Our problem was, what was feeding our emotional patterns today? Well, it was that root of bitterness. Now, 
Forgive and Thrive. I love the name of your podcast. I've already said that twice. Because until you learn what genuine forgiveness is, you'll never be able to thrive in life. It's an impossibility. Okay? So uh, uh, what would you say your definition of forgiveness is, Rosanna? Forgiveness for me is... uh... Letting go what is, uh, understanding that basically what happened has happened and you cannot change. Right. But at the same time, if you keep stuck in that roller coaster of emotions, you, right. you never go forward in life. So it, it's really letting go those emotions, uh, making sure that they belong to that past. You don't forget about, as we say, said before, but you move with the experience and the lesson that you learn out of that. But it's, it's also giving yourself the permission to move forward. Sometimes we don't get ourselves there. Right. Oh, well, many times people don't get themselves there. And I agree with you 100%. May I give you a definition for you to consider? Please, please. Forgiveness is becoming more concerned for the needs of the offender than what they've done to offend you. For an example, when I stopped focusing on the fact that my father-in-law sexually abused my wife, and I began to focus on my inward attitude, that's when my life began to change. You see, the scriptures teach that bitter water and sweet water cannot flow through the same fountain. As long as I held that bitterness towards him, I would never be able to forgive him. And without the ability to forgive him, our marriage was never going to be able to thrive. So I came up with a technique on how to genuinely forgive. Are you ready for this? Please. I had to learn how to seek forgiveness for my bitterness towards him. Now, everybody listening to this podcast, I want you to understand, you may be a nice person, you may be a very moral person, you may be a very kind person, but I'll guarantee you, If you have a wounded spirit, if you have fear, if you live in anxiety, if you have a sense of betrayal, you're nothing more than a kind, moral, gentle, bitter human being. Bitterness comes in all shapes and sizes. So there was a time after that, we'd been married about 12 years. Sylvia and I were on our way home from a long trip. And I had come to the point where I said, I'm going to divorce you. She says, why? I said, I'm not angry. I don't, I'm not upset with you, but I refuse to live with an emotionally crippled human being any longer. And she says, but I'm not like you. I said, what do you mean? She said, I'm not angry all the time. Uh, I don't yell at you. And I said, honey, you're right. You're not angry. You don't yell at me, but you have a wounded spirit. And that wounded spirit is so deep that you cannot enjoy life as a human being today. Until you get free from that root of bitterness toward your father, we will never have a healthy marriage. Until I get free of that root of bitterness, we will never have a healthy marriage. And so I developed a technique, I call it the emotional surgery. And so people who come to me for life coaching, I position them for what I call the emotional surgery, where literally, They will have every uh, incident of rejection that has uh, affected them in their early life come to the surface and they're able to learn how 
to seek forgiveness from those that they are bitter towards and get free emotionally. So I'll never forget. Now remember, I was very bitter towards this man and I had a right to be bitter. I tell folks, you have a right to be bitter. You have a right to be hurt. But all you have to do is to uh, determine how long are you going to let that bitterness control you today? You see, Rosanna, being bitter towards another person or a circumstance or an incident in your life is like drinking a cup of poison and waiting for that other person to die. That's not going to happen. You just literally uh, end up destroying your life. And so I'll never forget, with my wife sitting beside me, I made a telephone call to her father, and we're just calling Bob. And I said, Bob, this is Gary. He said, yeah, what's going on? I said, well, Bob, I've been ha having some emotional problems, and the Lord has showed me that I have been bitter towards you. And I need to ask you, would you please forgive me for my bitterness towards you? Now, I didn't focus on what he did to my wife. I didn't focus on the past behavior of him. I focused on my inward bitterness. And he was totally silent. And so second time, I said, could you please forgive me for my bitterness towards you? Now, your audience listening to this, they say, nope, I'm never going to do that. Well, enjoy your prison life, because as long as you are in bondage to someone else, they control you. They have a key to your emotional prison cell. And so by seeking forgiveness for my bitterness and focusing on my inward emotional bitterness, uh, I no longer disease myself to have him as an excuse for my behavior, my patterns. I was a rejection junkie. And when I realized I was hooked on that rejection, that's when I decided I'm going to forgive so I can thrive. And so I asked him a third time. He was totally silent. The man never talked. I said, would you please forgive me for my bitterness towards you? He said, well, I don't understand what you're saying, but I guess I do. And I said, thank you very much. And I hung up. And here's what happened. All of a sudden, my whole thought pattern changed from, I hate that person, to I wonder what I can do for him. And so a week later, I called him and I said, hey, Bob, this is your son-in-law. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay, I guess. I said, I just want to tell you how much I love you. And I'm so glad you're my father-in-law. And thank you for bringing my wife into this world so that I can enjoy a happy marriage. And he was just dumbfounded. You see, you stop and think. When Jesus died on the cross, he died because he forgave us. Am I right or right? Yes. Okay. Now stop and think. Why did he die on the cross? Because he looked beyond our behavior and met our need. He was no longer focusing on our behavior. He was focusing on providing the plan for us. And that's why he died on the cross. He became more concerned for our needs than what we did to offend him. I love that. What are the common mistakes that people make when they feel rejected? Oh, they immediately fight back or they withdraw. Uh, here again, there's only two basic responses to rejection. The first response is inversion. That's where they withdraw. They become the escaper. The second uh, reaction is when they become a reverter. Uh, they become the survivor. 
they fight back. I say it like this. I, I use marriage as an example, okay? Uh, in every marriage, there's a parent and there's a child. It has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with personality traits. In my marriage, I was the parent, okay? She was the child. I became the uh, person that gave the orders. I became the person that gave the direction. She became the person who followed my orders. She followed my directions. Well, she discontinued her childhood patterns. That's all she knew to do. She didn't know what it was. She just knew what it was to do, okay? I was following my childhood patterns. Now, here, here's a sad statistic. Very, very, very few people ever get free from the rejection syndrome. Why is that? Because it's built into them the first eight years of their life. They don't know any different. They don't know what they don't know. And so they continue living a life of rejection. They respond in fear and withdrawal or they respond with anger and fight back. And you can see that in the lives of all of our politicians. Oh my goodness. Look at the people leading our countries, Rosanna. They are emotionally damaged people. There's so much bitter and hatred uh, in this world and it's not getting any better. How can we turn rejection into an opportunity for growth? Well, you have to, first of all, come to the place where you can identify the rejection patterns that you've created for yourself. It's kind of like a self-captivating imprisonment. And uh, so uh, I was fortunate in the fact that I became determined to uh, find out what was going on. I went to several Christian leaders for counseling, and all they did was tell me to pray about it or get closer to God. And I got so tired of uh, hearing those empty, shallow um, instructions, okay? Secular psychiatry, on the other hand, uh, they just prescribe drugs. They call it medication. If you're nervous, take this pill to calm you down. Uh, if you're full of anxiety, take this pill to calm you down. Uh, if you're sad and depressed, take this pill. It'll, it'll cheer you up. And so they just uh, get people drug addicted. I don't do that. I made it very clear when people came to my office that I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not going to prescribe drugs. What I'm going to do is help you understand what really has happened to you and how you can get free from the past. Now, probably in my 20 years, uh, 23 years of having my counseling practice, there was probably about 30% of my clients that never did respond. When it came to that emotional surgery, that was the most difficult uh, obstacle mountain for that person to climb. And they just refused to do it. And they just stayed in bondage. And uh, I, I, I can't tell you how many people refuse to take ownership of their own life. Now, nobody is ever going to learn how to deal with rejection until they take some time out of life to learn how to make a living. And so you're going to have to take some time out of life to learn to understand yourself and understand how you created the negative emotional patterns you have. I promise if you don't learn how to trace back the rejection patterns you've created, you will continue to be uh, imprisoned 
it's kind of like an emotional octopus. Uh, it just wraps its arms all around you. You never get free. And I'm sure you're a young lady. You're somewhere, what, in your early 50s or late 40s? Okay, you're just a child. <laughs> I, I turned 78. And uh, uh, the bottom line is uh, most people uh, in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, they are so bitter. They are so negative, so sad, so depressed. They're not a joy to be around. They bring no life into other people's lives. They just bring doom and gloom. And that's because of the emotional wounds that they've experienced. Mm, absolutely. I, I love that because you can see around, there are so many people that are not really living a, a oh, fulfilling yeah. life because of all the pain, emotional pain that are uh, carrying with, with, with them in, right. in their lives. So um, I, I love that you are stressing this, uh, this, this point. How can we seek feedback when we are rejected? Obviously, there are situations like those that you mentioned that are serious rejections. Sure. A lot of people can identify rejections looking out for a new position at work or dating someone that doesn't go well. Still a, a, a formal rejection, perhaps not as big as the one that you were mentioning before. But how can we seek advice and feedback when we have been rejected? Oh, does it make sense? Sure, sure it makes sense. Uh, and, but here's the thing. You've got to be careful who you, uh, who you seek feedback from because you're just going to another rejection junkie. Uh, here, here's what I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend that your audience go to my website, rejectionjunkies.com, and buy my book, Rejection Junkies. And the reason I'm recommending it is because once they get into that book, I'll guarantee you, they will think I wrote that book just for them. Okay? It's a very neutral, safe place to get the feedback they need. Okay? It's the best investment they're ever making in their life. And so, uh, you know, uh, you've got to be careful who you share your weaknesses with. Because... The person you share your weaknesses with, if they don't have the ability to be free mentally and emotionally, how can they help you? They can't. They're just going to add more guilt and more performance onto you as the person you are. And the rejection just goes on. It's just, it's just like that song that never ends. It just keeps going on. And so uh, people, uh, it's sad to say this, Rosanna, but people just go on feeding those negative patterns, thinking nothing's ever going to change. And so Sylvia and I, we live in a 55 plus community here and we lived here 10 years and probably nine out of 10 of the people we met here are so imprisoned with bitterness. They're, they're, they're at the sad, depressing end of their life. And uh, it's very, very few people do we meet that have a positive energy about themselves. Why is that? Deja vu. They're still living the rejection patterns from many, many years ago. It never changes. So maybe one of your listeners, they might change jobs. They might get a promotion. But guess what? They're just going to keep carrying that emotional baggage with them into the next environment. It's just a continuation of what they already have lived. They're not going to stop living it. 
until they learn how to get free emotionally. See, uh, now, I know you're a single lady, and uh, my wife and I, we've been married 56 years. But when it comes to marriage, I, I tell people this. A man's ability to love his wife is the overflow of his own self-esteem. Mm -hmm. If the man does not have a healthy, accepting, loving appreciation for how God made him and who he is, he will never be able to meet his wife's emotional needs. He will never be able to love her unconditionally. He will never be able to cherish her on a healthy level. And so a man's ability to love his wife is definitely the overflow of his own self-esteem. Now, the wife's ability to receive that love is a, is a testament of her own negative or positive self-image. If she has a poor self-image, the man can dance on the tabletop and never convince her of her worth in life. You know, and so I had to learn how to meet those emotional needs without her responding. But once I began to learn how to meet those emotional needs, guess what? She began to respond. She learned, she followed me. She learned how to get free of her bitterness. Well, was it scary? Was it a frightening time? Yes. But oh, I tell you what, it's so much joy to be married to a lady that loves herself as God does. And as she's enjoying being married to a man that loves himself on the level God loves me. Now, we're not talking about conceit. Uh, we're not talking about egotism. We're talking about a healthy level of gratefulness and appreciation to who we are and how God made us. So when you have two people that have that positive self-image, now you're no longer attacking each other, but you're bonding on a healthy level. Now, the single person that uh, does not have a positive self-image, they live a life of, I'm going to say, limitation. Uh, they never allow themselves to move forward. And uh, uh, so until they can come to the place where they get free of their past, they're never going to enjoy the quality of life God wants them to enjoy. And getting married, getting married is not the answer to depression. Uh, getting married is not the answer to fear and anxiety. If you don't learn how to live with yourself, you're never going to be able to live with someone else. I absolutely love what you are mentioning here. You, you just talked about self-esteem. I want to bring another word into the mix. Compassion and self-compassion. How important they are and what is the relationship when it comes to rejection? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. That's one of my favorite fields, okay? Uh, compassion and self-compassion. Compassion is when you have a... a uh, emotional understanding and forgiveness towards the person and their circumstances. Empathy is when you can actually say, I've experienced those emotions. Well, once I learned how to get free of others, then I had to get free of Gary. And I, once I was able to forgive Gary for his bitterness, then I was able to have compassion towards Gary. Now stop and think, if your cup is empty and you fill it with tea, what do you have? you have a cup of tea. If your vessel is empty and you have coffee and you fill it with coffee, you have a vessel full of coffee. But if you have an empty soul, your mind and emotions, and you fill that with compassion, 
then you have an overflow of compassion to give to other people and towards yourself. So once you learn how to forgive and you start thriving, then you can forgive yourself. And until, and I, I promise your listeners this, until you learn how to forgive others, genuinely become more concerned for their needs than what they've done to offend you, you will never be able to forgive yourself. It's an impossibility. Now that's pretty strong language, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange sometimes that, you know, we have to think about forgiving others because especially when we feel rejected, as you said sure. before, there is that sense of bitterness and, right. and we feel that we have the right to be and to feel right. bitterness. Right. So, totally agree. so if you wanted to give any advice to someone that is listening and that feels they have been rejected, what would you say to them? Oh my, I could give you a thousand answers to that question. I think uh, right now, because you're interviewing me, uh, go to my website, rejectionjunkies.com. That's spelled J-U-N-K-I-E-S, rejectionjunkies.com, and buy my book. Now, here's what I'm going to suggest. Be open to learning the truth about yourself. Be open and willing to accept the rejection patterns that you have created in the early years of your life. And once you've come to the place you're willing to accept that, then you're ready at this time to deal with it and get free from it. But you've got to identify it first. That's why I tell everybody, if you come to me for life coaching, I'm going to accomplish three things. I'm going to help you identify the underlying problem. I'm going to help you isolate the underlying problem. And then I'm going to teach you how to eliminate the underlying problem. No longer go on coping. Imagine that, a life free from all the negative patterns of your past. And then once you get free, I can teach you how to create positive patterns that are going to reinforce your value where you are in your station of life. And so that's, how, that's my best answer I can give right now. That's, I think it's very important because we can have the illusion that we have overcome one rejection, but if yeah. we haven't done the full work, we will be back to square one with the next time we are rejected. Well, you, yeah, you said that perfectly, Rosanna. Uh, it's a delusion to think you're free emotionally if all you keep doing is running from the past. And uh, uh, I counsel people all different ages, 50, 60, 70, 40, who can very clearly identify one or two key things that happened to them in the early childhood. For an example, I had a lady come in and uh, she, uh, she had never been physically sexually abused by her father, but she had been verbally and emotionally abused. He would say things to her like, I love you, but not like a father should love a daughter. Well, that's emotional abuse. That's sexual abuse. See, people, uh, they don't know how to identify a lot of different forms of rejection. Okay? Uh, my father told me, you're never amount to anything. And guess what? In the early years of my adult life, I didn't amount to anything. I made his prophecy become true. It's almost a rite of passage. Well, I've got to be sure my parents were correct. So I, I'll, I'll make sure that I fulfill what they think of me. 
And so that rejection pattern just goes on. Uh, if, if your listeners go to my website, uh, there is a quiz on there. Are you a rejection junkie? There is no cost to them to take that quiz. And if they just take the quiz and submit it uh, with their phone number, uh, or they can hit the contact button and send me a message, uh, I'll get back to them personally because uh, there's about uh, uh, there's about 40 or 50 different levels of rejection I use. Are you a rejection junkie in that quiz? But in my book, there's over 250 examples that I give. Everybody can identify with patterns of rejection when, once they read that book. But once you identify it, then you can embrace the plan on how to break it and how to get free. And it, it, it takes time. It takes commitment. And uh, it takes a sacrifice. It really does. But here's the thing, Rosanna. People are so busy sacrificing their life to gain acceptance from other people. Why not sacrifice some of your life for yourself? I agree with what you're saying. I think that sometimes we lack courage because it requires really a lot of courage to look inside and pages perhaps of our lives that are not really uh, the greatest and they are very painful. And yeah. not, not everybody is, is able to do that. There are so many situations in one's life that can be right. really difficult to, to face. And it takes a lot of courage, but I agree with you. If one takes the first step, then it's definitely worth it because otherwise you cannot re be free. You, it, for me, forgiveness is really about that, is uh, reaching that sense of, of freedom that you wouldn't have otherwise. That is well said, Rosanna. And uh, so uh, the bottom line is people do what they want to. Nothing more, nothing less. Some people enjoy being miserable. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Some people yeah. enjoy being the victim. And uh, I hear all the time uh, uh, when I coach people, well, I'm a victim. This has happened to me. That has happened to me. Well, stop focusing on what's happened to you, and let's start focusing on getting free. Okay? Once you identify the underlying cause, then let's break that pattern. But uh, you, the bottom line is people do what they want to, nothing more, nothing less. And uh, so you've made up your mind that you're not going to go on suffering. You made a commitment to Rosanna, and I applaud you for that. If I was there, I would give you a big hug. <laughs> Thank you. Dr. G, what is uh, your plan? So you are still coaching. Is there perhaps uh, another book in uh, your near future? Well, my son wrote a book, it's directed primarily at Christians, and the title of his book, every Christian, uh, no, the title of his book is Stop Living for the Lord. And uh, so uh, the whole premise of that is every Christian should stop living for the Lord. Now that doesn't sound Christian, does it? Hmm. Now let me say that again, every Christian should stop living for the Lord. Why is that? Frustrated Christians live for the Lord. Spirit-controlled Christians let the Lord live through them. Well, what are the fruits of the Spirit? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. So if the fruits of the Spirit are living through you, you don't have to live for the Lord. He's living through you. And so 
a lot of people, they hear that. Stop living for the Lord. Oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> I want God to love me. I want God to accept you. Well, hey, he loves you and accepts you for who you are with all your weaknesses. You can't impress God, okay? God loves you unconditionally. Unfortunately, many, many people do not enjoy the depth of God's love because they're so busy rejecting themselves and continually gaining and seeking the acceptance of other people. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I love what you're saying because uh, I, I agree with you. We are all projected towards the external world, towards others, and, and get this uh, uh, check from others. Yes, you are approved. Uh, instead of, of really looking inside and say, well, you know, right. I, I am approved. It's my birthright to be approved. Yeah. There you are. I, lo I love the way you said that. It is your birthright to be accepted and approved for who you are. Uh, I recall I had a young man. Oh, this was just about six months ago. Uh, he said, Dr. G, I don't enjoy being around you. And I looked at him and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And I said, well, why would you say that to me? Uh, why don't you enjoy being around me? He said, you're too positive. And so I thought, well, am I supposed to become negative so you can enjoy being around me? And I thought, yeah, that's exactly what he's been programmed for, negativity. He wanted to feel more comfortable so he could continue to excuse his negative attitude on life. And see, I, uh, I limit the people that I spend my time with. I value my life. I value who I am. So therefore, I'm very cautious who I spend my time with and get involved with in life. Fantastic. I really love that. Dr. G, we mentioned already your website, rejectionjunkies.com. Yeah. Are you on social media? So if people would like to get in touch with you, can they follow you any, anywhere? Well, I appreciate that. I'm just getting started. I just now have a lady that I counseled way back in 1995. And she is working as my marketing affiliate. So right now, all I have in place is my website. We are starting a Facebook page called Rejection Junkies Unplugged. And so we're getting that up and running. But right now, they can contact me through my website. And they can find out all about my wife, Sylvia, and I. And we can communicate uh, if they're just sending me a message. Fantastic. Final question before we close this uh, lovely conversation. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? Oh, there are so many messages. <laughs> <laughs> I think the message is God loves you for who you are. He accepts you for who you are. You just need to learn how to accept yourself. Stop focusing on other people and what they think of you and start focusing on what God says. He said he has made you to be accepted in the beloved, period. You are accepted as you are. Fantastic. I absolutely love that. Well, I hope that this episode has provided insights on how we can deal with rejections. Because although never easy, they are inevitable part of our life. However, by adopting a growth mindset, building resilience, and seeking constructive feedback, we can learn to navigate rejections in a healthy way and use them as an opportunity for personal growth and development. Remember that rejection is not a reflection of your worth. It doesn't define you, and certainly it doesn't have to define your future. 
And I found a, a quote from J.K. Rowling who said, rejection is simply redirection, a course correction to your destiny. Dr. G, thank you so much for accepting our invitation, for uh, spending this hour with us. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been my honor. Thank you so much for having me, Rosanna. Thank you. But we would love to know what you think about this topic. Are there specific questions about dealing with rejections that perhaps we didn't address today? If so, get in touch. We will try to seek answers to those questions for you. Also, don't forget to visit Dr. G. Page to check his book and to follow him on, on Facebook. Soon, uh, this page will be up and running. You will find all the links in the description of today's episode, as always. Hopefully not, but if you have been affected in any way by the topic we discussed today, as always, I invite you to seek professional help. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time. Thank you and goodbye.